Explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. You deserve the truth. The enemy is at our gates. The fight for humanity. I look at your faces. I do not see defeat. No! And I do not see surrender. He is far from over. You will not make that stand alone. We have something the enemy does not. We have heroes. Halo. New season now streaming. Exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue, and we have a fun show ahead for you here. Uh, a lot coming your way uh, in terms of roster perspective and a different lens, I should say, than what we've done in the past. We've gone position by position, offense versus defense, in our reviews this month of how Penn State's 2023 personnel standpoint is shaping up. Well, we're going to kind of shake that around a little bit. Uh, later in the episode, we're going to have Mark Brennan, Daniel Gallen join me, and each of us is going to select an 11-man Penn State squad. That means everybody on your team has to play defense, everybody on your team has to play offense, backyard brawl kind of a situation where you're getting three teams together. We're going to put it up for a poll at lines247.com uh, on Wednesday and let our readers out there determine which of these teams and our listeners determine which would be the best. But in just a little while, we'll do that, and it'll be pretty fun because you're going to hear 33 names selected from this Penn State roster, and we'll explain our reasoning for each of those. But we begin this episode with the fact that Penn State has launched another recruiting class. All the way into 2026, we're talking about the rising sophomores across the high school landscape in America. You don't have to look very far. Camp Hill Trinity High School's Messiah Minkins, who is the top-rated Pennsylvania prospect in 24-7 sports, initial top 100 for the 2026 class that dropped last week right outside the top 30. He is the starter for the Penn State 2026 recruiting class. Fantastic beginning for the Nittany Lions. And to break this down, we talked to Tyler Calvaruso, who spoke with Messiah Minkins shortly after that announcement came through on Saturday. I was getting to re ready to get on a ride at Sesame Place with my daughter, a Cookie Monster-themed ride, to be exact, when that news broke. So appreciate you and Brian Doan and Mark Brennan and everybody else who scrambled around for Messiah Minkins' announcement. There's been a bunch of coverage at Lions247.com in the 48 hours since then. Steve Wiltfong has weighed in with the piece where Messiah Mickens goes in-depth about wanting to become the next in-state star running back and what it means to him to be able to build out this class. Brian Doan discusses the offensive fit and the aspects of this recruitment that made the timing right for such an early announcement. Additionally, Brian Doan has a scouting report, but we got a lot to discuss right here, Tyler. And fortunately, if those who uh, are listeners out there who don't miss an episode, they caught the episode last Thursday when we looked ahead at for Penn State recruiting. Talked a lot about the 2025 cycle, the 2026 cycle, and a big chunk of that 2026 conversation between you and I was how important Messiah Minkins projected as a Penn State target. A few days later, he kicks things off for this class. Yeah, and you get the feeling that this was Messiah Mickens pretty much deciding not to prolong the inevitable. You know, Penn State was his leader from a really early point. Pretty much as soon as the Nittany Lions offered, Texas A&M was the first program to offer Mickens. Penn State was second. And once the Nittany Lions jumped in with an offer, kind of got the ball rolling in a direction where Penn State always seemed like the likely destination for Mickens. And I mean, me and you have even discussed it on here that given what his offer list blew up to become, you know, could this be a very national recruitment, one that plays out all the way through his 2026 cycle? But at the end of the day, I mean, 
Masai, I mean, if you read the article that Steve Wolfong wrote after catching up with Masai, he basically said that Penn State is built for him. And that kind of a quote speaks volumes in terms of his view of the program, how he feels he could develop under the watch of J1 Sider and the rest of the staff. Penn State's pedigree developing running backs. Now Mickens feels that he has next up and can be that next big-time Penn State running back and be the next big-time in-state running back putting on for Penn State. All of these factors play into that decision to commit early. And just getting to know Masai Mickens throughout this cycle, really, I, I always got the sense that, you know, he wasn't really the biggest fan of the recruiting process. He's very business-like. He just wants to go out, play ball, let things take care of themselves. And Penn State, he, he knew that's where he wanted to be. So why not just wrap things up and get a head start on being a leader for not just the 2026 class, but really for the 2025 class too. Mickens might be a 2026 recruit. But he's a foundational piece, one that 2025 recruits can look at and say, oh, they got this kind of guy on board already. What kind of a future am I going to have here in Happy Valley with guys like that already pledging to this staff and having that kind of confidence in this staff? So, I mean, this is really a big-time get for Penn State. It's just my initial take when I saw the news. You can't ask for a much better start to the 2026 cycle. I mean, Landing the top-ranked prospect in Pennsylvania, one me and you both think has really special potential. And and if the 2026 class was to be finalized today in terms of rankings, Asai Mickens would be a five-star prospect. That'd be another five-star running back for J1 Sider. So Steph gets this one done early. I don't think they're really going to have to sweat it out moving forward either. This doesn't have the feeling of a roller coaster recruitment for me. And that's definitely good news for Penn State. Mickens is the kind of guy you want leading your class. Oh, yeah, this is I mean, and, and the timing of it probably gives it away. But this is not the feeling of any kind of recruitment you're going to be dragging to the finish line. The, the guy's going to be racing to the finish line and, 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 and grabbing other players to come with him. And that finish line is a long ways off. Uh, December of 2025. It's hard to really fathom that right now. And he's got three more high school seasons ahead of him. And as you said, Five-star status right now if it were uh, the end of his cycle. Uh, the way 24-7 sports does these things, very cautious to give out five stars to underclassmen. Eventually, these classes will work their way towards featuring 32 total five-star uh, players. That matches the projected first-round talent that comes out at the other end when these guys are done with college. But Mickens is currently number 30 in our initial top 20, uh, top 100 uh, for that 2026 class. Uh, again, Alabama put out an early offer. You had Michigan and Ohio State uh, le reaching out for this kid. And something that we discussed in our last episode, and I'll just bring it back up again, in my opinion, we saw several really talented Power 5 future running backs on campus this summer working with Jaywan Sider closely. Corey Smith was among them, the four-star out of Wisconsin, going to be coming to campus next year. But I placed Mickens right there with Quentin Martin, who is the top-rated 2025 recruit in Penn State's class, and he's also going to play running back for the Indian Lions. Those two I would probably place uh, not just at the running back position, but really among offensive skill players that we saw perform over the course of this camp I thought because the big thing for me was when Mickens and Quentin Martin started running routes and, and that portion of the game opened up they didn't lose a step they were still the elite prospects that I saw during running back drills and that's what really excites you about handling business on home turf you're, you're doing it now and in a couple cycles here that are ongoing with 2024 Quentin Martin top rated player in the state of Pennsylvania he's coming here to play running back the top rated player in 2026 Messiah Mickens doing the same thing. And we look at what you've already got going on with campus, London Montgomery, the early feedback has been really 
strong for a guy who missed his senior season with a knee injury, but we're all focused on Nick Singleton, in-state product, Big Ten freshman of the year last year. What's he got in store next? And then you've got two guys who are NFL Pro Bowlers this past season. Both were in-state prospects at the running back position, Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders. And, and I always want to make sure that we mention in this, uh, and for years to come, Journey Brown, yes. such a special talent here for Penn State. We'd be talking about him being in line to make a bunch more money on his second contract in the NFL right about now if things hadn't gone awry from that health, uh, from the health standpoint with the heart condition. He was a fantastic player here for the Nittany Lions and J1 Sider. And these are just guys that have been around during James Franklin era, which is now at a decade. So you can understand why Messiah Mickens throwing the fact that they have this really stable situation with J1 Sider at running back where he can say, well, look at all these names who have gone and done it. Why wouldn't I believe I can be the next? Yeah, and I think what Penn State fans need to understand is everything you just said, it's so far from hyperbole, and it's not just us gushing mm -hmm. over a kid who is now committed to Penn State. We've seen Messiah Mickens multiple times now, and every single time, he stands out physically. Nick That's Saban not... offered him before his sophomore year. I mean, we don't really yeah. have to hear it from us. Like, exactly. Nick Saban like, offered him before his sophomore year. The evaluation from the staff speaks for itself, and the evaluations of multiple other staffs speaks for itself. I mean, look. He's an advanced prospect. That's just the fact of the matter. Physically, he's already there. I mean, he – we talked about this last week when we were watching him go through Joe work. He processes things very well. You know, he, he doesn't psych himself out. He doesn't overthink the moment. He just goes out there and he gets it done. It doesn't seem like anything is too big for him. And for a player who has only played one season of high school football to already be at that point, I, it just speaks to where Mickens is trending and his development. And in terms of, you know, what you just said about the pitch and all these great Penn State running backs who have come from Pennsylvania and have gotten the job done at a high level for the Nittany Lions. I mean, Mickens was essentially thinking, why would I not want to be a part of that? And it's a pretty understandable thought process, especially given the fact he plays for Jordan Hill at Trinity. So there's a lot of familiarity with Penn State there. He has a lot of other ties to Penn State as well. This isn't, you know, um, it's just one of those things where he was already very familiar with what's going on at Penn State and then getting the chance to be recruited by Sider and the staff and learning more about the staff's plans for him and how exactly they would go about developing and getting him to the point of a Saquon Barkley, a Journey Brown, a Nick Singleton. That was something that really, really excited him. And I think Penn State pushed all the right buttons with Mickens. You know, this wasn't something that, you know, we always talk about Penn State's philosophy when it comes to taking early commitments and making sure that these guys are 100% on board. You know, Penn State didn't pry anything out of Messiah Mickens. They wanted to make sure he was 100% ready. He felt he was ready to go, wanted to be part of what Penn State's building, One wanted to be part of what Jaywan Sider's building that running back room. Just one of those recruitments where I think everything was kind of aligned for all parties involved. And the remarkable part about this is, at least the way we understand it right now here in August 2023, is that you're going to get Messiah Makins eventually, huge prospect here in the state of Pennsylvania. As long as he stays healthy, keeps progressing the way we think he will, nothing's going to change in that department. But you're going to prevent what would have inevitably taken place. I would assume a huge national tour of college campuses. Now, you still have to wonder if, if he's going to want to get out and about over the next three years as, as his peers do that. But That's fair, yeah. the quotes were very indicative that this was a decision that he felt comfortable with. He didn't shy away from why he did it. Uh, again, a ton of content. Brian Doan, Steve Wilfong, Tyler Calvaruso, uh, all playing a role in that during the last few days. So uh, lines247.com, what a way to start it. And just a couple of reminders here. Uh, Jaywan Sutter was the Big Ten Recruiter of the Year 
during the 2023 cycle by 24-7 sports. And then in that 2025 recruiting class, I mentioned that the couple they, they have in 2024 with Quentin Martin and Corey Smith. Now you've got Mickens in 2026. You've got a top 24-7 running back out of Texas in Keandre Barker committed for that 2025 class. So Cider, just keeping keeping that full steam ahead approach uh, on the recruiting trail as they bag these running backs for the future. And a reminder of what we mentioned uh, last episode, two other players landed uh, inside that top 100 for the 2026 class from the state of Pennsylvania, Tyler Merrill, an offensive lineman out of Cumberland Valley. He's at number 54 overall. And then offensive tackle Kevin Brown out of Harrisburg at number 92 overall. Both of them solidly on that Penn State target board for the 2026 class. Uh, let's get to someone who's been on board with Penn State for a while, quarterback position, Ethan Grunkemeyer. He's been on the podcast. His quarterback trainer here was on the podcast in July. And one thing that Brad Mendler, who's not just the quarterback trainer, trainer for uh, for Grunkemeyer, of course, but also for Drew Aller, he said, remember that big jump that Drew made from junior year to senior year at Medina in Ohio? Watch out for that with Grunkemeyer as he advances from his junior year to his senior year. A lot of momentum built this summer, what he accomplished on the Elite 11 circuit, what he did with some of that one-on-one -on -one training, what he was able to do with Mike Yursich here on campus. And Tyler, based on the initial sample size of game action, he put it all out there on the field about just what he might be able to accomplish uh, here as a senior, did Ethan Grunkemeyer. Yeah, he starts off his senior year by going for a casual 444 passing yards, 80 rushing yards, and five total touchdowns, 46 points against a good Whitmer team. No big deal, right? You know, that's just what Gronk's been doing pretty much throughout the spring and the summer, just con continuing to go out there, show out, and really boost his stock. And, you know, will he have the kind of rise that Drew Aller had? Maybe not to that level, but it's definitely possible if he keeps going out there and replicating the performances that he turned in over this weekend. And he did it against a Whitmer team that it's not a bunch of slouches. No, they didn't hang 46 points on a lower level Ohio program. Whitmer's in the postseason every year. They've got guys, man. They've got Carter Lowe, who's a top 24-7 offensive lineman recruit. And Ohio State's pushing really hard for him. Penn State's involved there as well. Obviously, that didn't factor in a Grunkermeyer's performance. But that speaks to the level of talent that is in that program. So for him to go out there and start his senior season, essentially with a bang against a pretty good program, it says a lot about where he's at in his development, I think. I think that he continues to take these steps forward and kind of show everyone why he is now a top 24-7 quarterback and one who could potentially climb even higher in the rankings. And it's not going to get any easier for him moving forward either. He's got Drawler's alma mater coming up this weekend, and they put a lot of points on the board. Then he's got Olentangy Orange, who has a 2026 quarterback, Levi Davis. That kid's pretty dynamic. So even Grunkemar is going to have to be on his A game pretty much every week with his schedule. You know, there, there aren't many breaks, and I think he's got it in him to lead Olentangy to a pretty solid season. I mean, if, if his opener was any indication of things to come, I definitely think that a rise in the rankings is possible. And it's really just further – it's pretty much just confirmation in the – evaluation that Mike Gertrude and the staff made, you know, that choosing Ethan Grunkemeyer and zoning in on him as their guy as 2024 quarterback. I mean, he, he's done nothing but go out there and prove them right ever since Penn State offered on April 20th. When you factor in the season opener, what he was able to accomplish at the Elite 11, he's got the Ohio, Ohio State, game. the Ohio State yes. seven on seven. Yeah, yes. I mean, it's it, the, it's been a list piling up, right? He's with, covering with, all of his bases when it comes to going out there and doing what this Penn State staff knew he was capable of doing. It's kind of one of those things where I said it last week, 
Penn State knew. Now Grunkemar is showing everyone, hey, look, this is who I am as a quarterback. This is what I've got behind me skill set-wise. Watch me work. And that what was hap- that's what happened in the season opener. So I'm excited to see his senior season ultimately play out, see where it takes him, see what kind of numbers he could put up because, man, I mean, he was really, really good in week one. Yeah, he, he's already jumped from three-star status to top 200 overall, and the composite is even higher at 166 overall. The number 13 quarterback in 24-7 sports assessment, and we'll see where it goes from here. Uh, certainly room with that ceiling to grow over the course of his senior season. Other quarterbacks that are ahead of him may regress a bit. So a lot to watch in those rankings. I don't necessarily think that his rise is over. And if you missed that conversation with Brad Mendler that we had in early July, the quarterback trainer, and, and how this all kind of happened with Penn State getting in on this early, you know, Mike Yersich just did his diligence on this one and and, and it stuck in his head did Ethan Grunkemeyer some of those early looks at him throwing the football wasn't it wasn't a guy that that he was quick to dismiss and he kept tabs on him and ultimately that put Penn State in a situation to dive into this recruitment head first before it really took off at a power five level that could have put this one in jeopardy of, of the Nittany Lions closing things out in the spring Brad Mendler told us himself that there were some big time power five sharks those are the college football playoff contender variety starting to circle around him as this summer was approaching very comfortable with Penn State where he stood there shut things down. And now he's just four and a half months from joining this program as an early enrollee. Uh, Tyler, a, a guy who's not going to be joining this team in 2024 now out of the Juco level, Sione Laulea. Uh, one of the final times, I guess I'll need to pronounce that name on this podcast. One of the premier junior college prospects from the West coast uh, defensive back was here in happy Valley. Terry Smith made a strong impression. They've been a contender here for a long time, but they were not part of the new top three. They were not. Penn State wound up getting cut. It's Oregon, USC, and Miami for La Lea at this point. And frankly, it looks like distance is just going to win out. I, I think Oregon still has the upper hand here. I'm giving the Ducks the edge, as I have been pretty much throughout. I, I found it surprising that La Lea did cut Penn State. I, I know distance has been a pretty big deal for him throughout his whole recruitment. It's something that we've really harped on when it comes to assessing Penn State's chances. But you got to think about it. He made it to the last bash barbecue. At the end of July, the relationship with cornerbacks coach Terry Smith is really good. I mean, he brought his mother with him across the country to check out Penn State, and it seemed like that relationship was really solidified while that Lalea and his mom were on campus. At the end of the day, though, it's just, you know, Oregon, it's a little bit closer to home if Oregon winds up being his pick, of course. USC, obviously, I mean, he's a California native, plays at the College of San Mateo. USC, if that's his pick, that's obviously an option that's pretty close to home. Not really sure where the Trojans are at with him in terms of, you know, pecking order. I th- I'm not sure where he is on their board, but USC makes that cut. And then for those who are wondering why Miami's on the list, considering everything I just said about <laughs> distance, he's, he's got a former junior college teammate who's with the Canes now, and he's done a pretty good recruiting job of Lalea. So I think that factors into that. And at the end of the day, just one of those things where Penn State couldn't overcome certain factors. I I think at this point now, you've got a pretty solid 2024 hall in the secondary. You go back to drawing board, monitor some late risers, see what you can get done. You know, if you want to add in the secondary before the beginning of the early signing period, I think it's definitely a possibility if the right fit comes along and presents itself, but the staff's obviously not going to force any issues. That's what we've been saying about this 2024 class for a while now. Given that it is up to 2020 or that it is up to 24 commits in the 2024 cycle, Penn State could be a little bit more selective with who it takes on from this point on. And 
you know, any additions that come on board moving forward, they're going to be ideal fits on and off the field from the staff's perspective. So we're going to have to see where secondary recruiting goes from here, but it's looking like Lola is probably a done deal and it won't be happening for Penn state. Again, a little bit of surprise that Penn state didn't survive the cut down. I was, I was never really sure Penn state was going to be the pick. I thought they would at least be a finalist when it came down to it, but no matter what, Nittany Lions seemingly out of the race now. Yeah, hat off the table, and uh, it sounds like you're off the the Siona Lelea beat for now. Uh, for now. <laughs> That's right. Um, and 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 we'll we'll get a longer look at this 2024 class, which is a top 10 group right now in the 24/7 Sports rankings, uh, because you've got this commit spotlight series coming out. You, you had a good piece uh, on Ethan Grunkemeyer on Monday uh, about where he's uh, gone for, from the from the recruitment perspective and how he's developed there and what lies ahead for him and what he means to the Nittany Lions class. And I know you plan on working your way through this whole group before we switch gears and, and get to the conversation with Daniel and Mark and and draft our 11 team uh, 11 man team here from the Penn State roster what's brewing uh, on the visit front for this game one and beyond because I know that between you and Brian Doan and Steve Wiltfong and Alan True and everyone else who follows recruiting I know I've chimed in with some some confirmations as well um, what are we looking at anything recent that we've got to notify our listeners and I know we covered a lot of our bases on our Thursday podcast last week with this subject yeah, I mean, the regional presence at Penn State's home opener, season opener, is just getting stronger pretty much by the day with more regional recruits who are all happen to be high on Penn State's board, confirm that they're going to be on campus and inside Beaver Stadium when Penn State and West Virginia kick off on September 2nd. So, again, September, it's going to be a big month for Penn State on the recruiting trail. You got the season opener. You got the whiteout against Iowa later on in the month, and they're going to be kicking things off with a standout group of visitors. A lot of guys that Penn State has high on the board at their, at their respective positions. And it's always an opportunity for the staff when you can get guys that at least these level of guys on campus so early and kind of plant the seed so early in the season. That's something that the staff looks forward to. So they're excited about the chance to host a lot of these top tier guys for the West Virginia game. And the list is going to keep on growing. You know, we're what, 11 days away now. So we've still got plenty of time for additions. More and more are going to keep rolling in. And I'm excited to see where it ends up right now, though. I mean, we're up over a dozen confirms of high level prospects. So that speaks to the quality of recruit that is going to be inside Beaver Stadium on the second. And right now, front and center at lines247.com for our VIP subscribers is a story about that visitors list coming together for the season opener, September 2nd, West Virginia, Primetime matchup under the lights on NBC. Uh, a lot brewing on the recruiting mm -hmm. front, as usual. Uh, you're all over it. Tyler Calvaruso, thanks, as always, for hopping on the podcast and giving us your perspective on the latest. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Fantasy baseball draft season is upon us, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, six times per week throughout March. Sleepers, breakouts, busts, live mock drafts, spring training updates, and everything in between every Monday through Saturday. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. 
Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get into a different kind of exercise here. As I teased at the top of the show, we've done this in the past with the podcast, but it's been a few years. Going to take an opportunity to work our way through this Penn State roster and come out of it with 11-man squads for both myself, for myself, Mark Brennan, and Daniel Gallon. We've never done this with three teams. We've done it with two teams here on the podcast, so it'll be a little bit uh, a little bit of a challenge, but I think it'll be a lot of fun, and hopefully it's fun to listen to along the way. You learn maybe some new things about how we view this roster heading into the season. And without further ado, here is Daniel Gallon and Mark Brennan. We are one week away from game week number one here in Happy Valley, so thought this was a good time to throw this in. We've got some a practice availability on Wednesday. We'll get a chance to hear from James Franklin, from some players, coaches, and also see this team, we think, in, in some practice action on Wednesday. So uh, next episode, we'll shift gears a little bit towards that. There'll be a lot more coverage of uh, Alliance247.com from what we see. But let's have some fun. Before we do, Daniel, we know the team captains. Uh, six of them on the docket. We already knew three of their identities coming out of the spring. Dom DeLuca on special teams, Olu Fashionu on the offensive side, and then Keaton Ellis on defense. And now they've doubled that total. Uh, they ma- announced that on Saturday. Yeah, you add with, with that original trio, you add tight end Theo Johnson, defensive end Adisa Isaac, and wide receiver slash uh, special teams ace Malik Mega. Um, I think it's a very solid group of of three players um i think that it really holds true to what james franklin has kind of been saying ever since the the leadership storyline popped up where it's going to be a different kind of leadership um this year in terms of the the types of players it is you know there are no returning captains from last year you had two four-time captains another two-time captain um, so things look a lot different, and I think that's that's reflected in here. But you know, I think for the guys themselves, I think it's it's a really cool honor. Um, you know, Adisa Isaac was out there with Olu Fashionu and Keaton Ellis at Big Ten Media Days, so that kind of gets your head spinning with the types of players that James Franklin usually picks to represent Penn State. There, um, I think he's someone who has really represented Penn State well, uh, and definitely has the ear of his teammates. Um, and then Theo Johnson, we've heard a lot this offseason um, about you know, the strides that he's taken uh, in terms of leadership. Uh, I remember talking to him back at the Rose Bowl, and uh, you know, he hadn't quite officially said he was coming back for his senior year, but the way that he was talking about it, you could read between the lines. He sounded very determined, um, so a cool honor for him. Um, and then Malik Mega to give Penn State two Canadian captains. Um, Mega is someone that we we've heard about too, uh, in terms of special teams. It seems that he really has embraced that role. Um, I think that he's one of those players when you talk about guys trying to get onto the field, however they can. I think that he is someone who found his Avenue to the field, found something he can excel at, uh, and is a good example for the younger players. Plus, I think that when you talk about captains and, and personalities, I think that he has kind of a, a personality that really lends itself to being a leader, to camaraderie. Um, so it's, I think it's a, it's a good group of six, and uh, you know, there's just going to be a lot of eyes on them as we go into the season. You mentioned a couple Canadian captains. That makes it f- at least five years in a row uh, where they've had a, a, a captaincy from Canada. Uh, Jonathan Sutherland holding down that title four straight years. Jesse Lucchetta was a captain along the way at one point as well, an Ottawa native. Um, and, and I just want to note here, you said different kind of leadership this year. Uh, six captains, 
you could say four of them may not be full-time starters. Adiza Isaac's going to play a ton of football, but how does it all work out? Deny Dennis Sutton, Chop Robinson, Adiza Isaac. Someone's going to have to be watching some football at some point. Don DeLuca is going to be a backup on defense. Keaton Ellis may not be a starting safety. We're going to find out uh, officially on September 2nd, but he's been in a dogfight to retain his starting role with what's happening at the safety position. Malik Mega uh, is a guy who's, who's you know bona fide special teamer, but trying to work his way up the, the wide receiver situation. And then, of course, Theo Johnson and, and Olu Fashionu are locked in as full-time starters for you. But, Mark, I mean, that, that speaks to the depth on this team, again, where guys don't necessarily got to be the first ones out there at their spots to have meaningful impact for this team. And also that that there are not the four-time team captains to point to and the P.J. Mustafers, you know, guys that were multi-year presences as cornerstones in the locker room when you had Sutherland on special teams and Clifford on the offensive side of the football and a Jair Brown and P.J. Mustafer on defense. It's a new slate, and, and, and they happen to step up in a year where Penn State has as high of expectations as they've encountered under James Franklin. Yeah, you know what else it speaks to, though? I mean, in the era of the transfer portal, you know, there are veteran players who could easily have gone other other places and been surefire starters, like no question whatsoever. And the fact that a lot of these guys are sticking around and they're going to be very integral parts of this team, whether as starters or rotation members uh, or with Malik Mega, a guy who will, will rotate in and obviously be a key figure on special teams. Dom DeLuca, don't, don't think he'll start. Maybe he will but he'll be a guy who rotates in, plays special teams. I think it's great to see the coaching staff reward these kind of players so that the younger players in the program realize the value that, okay, maybe you're not the starter, but if you're a team that wants to compete for Big Ten and national titles, this is the kind of depth that you have to have. You'll always be able to go chase a starting job somewhere else, and we see that around the country. But do you want to do that and be a starter, or do you want to be a key role player or key member of a team that's competing for Big Ten and national titles? And, and I think that's part of this message you're seeing where a guy like Keaton Ellis, uh, who's fighting for a starting job, and DeLuca and Mega. I mean, Adisa Isaac, I think, is effectively a, a starter, even if he doesn't start. I mean, right. I, just, I just think that they have three defensive ends who are that good. The other thing I like to say is, as a local guy, and you qualify as this too now, Tyler, nothing against you, Daniel. You're working your way to get there. But to see Keaton Ellis, you know, who went to school with the intern, um, you know, was a really good player at State High. His parents are great members of this state college community. To see him get this opportunity, a guy who stuck with the program through position changes, has been a very effective player, has done whatever they've asked. You know, there's some local pride in seeing him get this opportunity. Really good kid, and uh, it, it's it, it's very cool to see. I still remember when we were working at competing sites at after a state high game, interviewing Keaton Ellis. You know, you and I both. You know, one interview and then, then the next. You know, we were friends then, uh, but to see where he's been able to come has been very cool. And uh, it's a six captains. None of them are named Drew Aller. It was something that we kind of speculated on earlier in the summer, wondering if, if that would be an, an anointing that would take place before we maybe even saw him be named the starting quarterback. Didn't happen. No, no tip of the hand right there yet from James Franklin, who has not announced his quarterback one. That next opportunity to do so in a media setting again will come Wednesday after practice. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but but with Drew Aller, I, I, I don't think you can hold it against the guy. He's a sophomore. 
He hasn't started a game yet. You'd understand why you'd want to work through. I, I know people look back to Sean Clifford as a year one starter back in, in 2019. Uh, redshirt sophomore was a team captain. Hard to compare those things, but I yeah. think everything we've heard just to kind of uh, maybe quell any concerns about Drew not being a captain. I think we've all heard the right things from his peers from his coaches about what he's doing as a leader on the football field. We expect him to be the first team quarterback for this team come September 2nd. And what he does from there is going to determine a lot about what this team does and individually what he's going to mean to Penn State's uh, legacy and, 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 and future here. But I just want to kind of reiterate that, Daniel, that uh, you know, we have heard a lot of good stuff on Drew as an emerging leader because you've got to be a leader at that spot. Yeah, and I think it also speaks to – what we talked about just a couple of minutes ago in terms of the the different kind of leadership. I think that it's very diffused across, you know, I don't know, anywhere from 10 to 15 guys, you know, within different position groups as a, as opposed to what we saw these past couple of years with some of those big names, those returning captains, those those bigger personalities. I mean, it seems like I've written about maybe three or four different guys finding their voice this off season, trying to become more vocal leaders. Um, but yeah, I think that I wouldn't, I didn't really read anything <clears throat> into Drew Aller not being the, the starting quarterback or not being named a captain. Uh, I think that the one thing that I'm curious to know now is Chris Stoll called the coin toss every game last year. Who gets that job, uh, this year? We will find out soon. That's, that's, I know that's near the top of everyone's list for what happens on September 2nd as, as we uncover more about the team. Just a few other guys that we, we have noted as, as leaders who've been an important part of that for, for, for this team during preseason camp. Curtis Jacobs is in year four. Lambert Smith at wide receiver in year four. Um, you know, you go back to Kalen King, does it in more of a quiet manner. Kobe King, an emerging presence there at linebacker as well. Um, and then Hakeem Beeman is a guy that we've heard a lot about now in year five as a redshirt senior has taken a step at defensive tackle where you've got another player like Devon Illies brings a lot of personality. Uh, but like you said, it's kind of spread out, not, not so much concentrated among a group of five, six, seven, eight guys, as we've seen in a couple of the recent seasons. Um, you want to get into this or actually first Mark, anything to share uh, from, from photo day. We have the galleries up at lines, 247.com. We have video up at lines, 247.com. It's only so much I suppose you can take away from seeing Penn state players walk in without pads and post for pictures. I know that our message board does their hardest to take as much possible away. So do we. There was uh, one the, thing people were able to take away <laughs> within like Jen, 15 yeah. seconds of posting the video. It was, I don't even, the video wasn't even up long enough for, for somebody to, to, to know who wasn't there. It was unbelievable. They were uh, fast. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's not, it's no mystery. Landon Tangwell wasn't there. Uh, from what, from what James Franklin has told us, he's dealing with bumps and bruises. I would also throw him in as a leadership guy because we've seen him at NIL stuff and representing. Uh, but he's a leader on this team. He's with the team. P people read too much into things some sometimes, and that's part of why we have message boards for discussions and whatnot. But I think it speaks to a greater point that you can't take a whole lot of out, of out of photo day, especially now that they've really expedited the whole process. I mean, they blast through that thing. The time in the preseason is very valuable, so I'm not being critical. I completely understand it. But that thing used to take hours, and they would do every position group, you know, every players from every state. I remember Nick Scott, like, he, he moved around in high school, so he was getting, like, pictures taken with, like, every state that he ever lived in. It was amazing. So now it's just captains, position position groups, and, and that's it. But I think what you saw, everybody was focusing on the one guy who wasn't there. 
everybody who was there. And yeah. you know, in the past, we've seen where there have been multiple guys who weren't able to make it for because of bumps and bruises or whatever it may have been. But I think that's more of the storyline is that it sure seemed like just about everybody was there. All of the all of the important players were there. And from what we're hearing out of camp, you want to knock on wood right now. This is for Penn State and for every program across the nation. We want everybody to be healthy as possible. But it sure seems like this team is pretty healthy. So knock on wood if you're a Penn State fan because you want this group being healthy going into this West Virginia game. All right, well, let's take a longer look at this group. It is a really impressive uh, collection of players that Penn State has put together. We talked about the depth. We'll get a chance to concentrate it right now. Um, and we did our draft order this morning, threw names in a 24-7 sports hat, took them out. Mark is picking first. Daniel has the second pick. I've got the third, and then it's a snake-style draft. We're coming up on fantasy football draft season. We're already there, so you probably are familiar with this. It goes one, two, three, then three, two, one. So I'll have the, the last pick of the first round and the first pick of the second round. At the end of the day, 11 guys on each roster. They're all going to have to play offense. They're all going to have to play defense. And really, not a lot of rules in terms of what you're going to do personnel-wise, but you got to stick to some real football rules. You need five linemen on the offensive side of the football um, and, and if you get this thing wrong, you'll get made fun of uh, appropriately on the message board uh, and called out. So good luck, and we'll, we'll, we'll get going. Uh, give your rationale for your picks. Uh, we'll, we'll try to keep it somewhat concise so we can get through this thing. Uh, but, Mark, you are on the clock, and, and I'm not sure if you've already determined it. You, you've known this for about four or five hours that this pick belonged to you. I'm going to take all five minutes. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> you take it. And we'll analyze your pick afterwards. No, no, no. I listen. I was. I've been thinking about this since yesterday. That what if I get the first pick? What am I going to do? And I, I am going out of the box. I'm going with Bo Pribula. Now, why am I going with Bo? Because he's the one quarterback who I think could be an effective safety. I think you could put him on on that side of the football. With this team right now, and I think he would be okay. I don't think he'd be great. I think if he if he played there all the time, I think he'd be really good. I don't. I'm not suggesting they move him. They need him at quarterback. But I think if you put Drew Aller over there at safety, as many touchdowns as he's going to score for you, uh, as he's going to throw on offense, he's going to give up that many on defense. And I'm just not sure about Smolik. So you need a quarterback. You need a quarterback who can play on defense. Thinking out of the box, I'm going with Bo. Bo knows offense. Bo knows defense. Bo's the number one pick. Does Brendan know the 11-man draft? That's going to be the question after that <laughs> pick. Man, this is this is quite the move. And I'm with you when you assess that quarterback group. You think, okay, who's going to be an actual viable defensive option? And Bo Perbula is a guy that, going back to his sophomore year of high school, when those offers started to come as a Power 5 prospect, that was like, yeah, he plays quarterback now, but is he going to be a safety at the next level? You know, the, a little bit of that Trace McSorley talk, except he, he's a bigger dude than Trace McSorley was at that same point in their careers. Obviously, he's playing quarterback here now. I can understand why he did it, but the timing of it, I can understand why that could create some controversy. Daniel, well, you're see. up. I, 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 hope, enough, I hope I, there's enough depth at the other positions that I'm very comfortable with this. I hope you weren't holding out for Perbula, Daniel. He's off the board at number two. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I'm going to keep it simple here. I think that the the last time we did one of these exercises, uh, I think it was if you could add any player uh, from a past Penn State team from the past couple of years to this team, I overthought it. Uh, <laughs> and, and you guys let me know about it. So uh, I'm going with Olu Fashionu here at number two. Uh, anchor that offensive line. We've heard great things about his athleticism. Um, you know, I think that uh, it'd be a little tough for him to for uh, quarterbacks to throw over him uh, on the defensive trenches. So 
I'm going to keep it simple. Go with the the best overall player on the team. I think uh, Olu at number two. Can't argue with that one. And uh, I'm going to take the the second quarterback off the board in round one uh, and go with Drew Aller. Um, now, first off, I don't know how he's going to play defensively. I, I'd have higher hopes for Bo, but I do know that he's about 30 pounds heavier and three and a half inches taller than any other quarterback in that room. So he's going to bring a different kind of physicality to wherever we find a spot for him on defense. And, and we'll do our best to protect him because that arm is at a different level than anyone else in that quarterback room. We got to see it on the field come game days. We got a sample size last fall. But I think even when we watch on the practice field, we know Drew Aller has that five-star arm talent. In my opinion, if I want to maximize the weapons around him, including the guy I'm going to pick next, I need the best quarterback by far on this roster in terms of pure passing potential. If he's a liability on defense, I'll gotta, I, I, I'm going to have to ask him to get me more points on offense to make up for it. But I'm going to live with it on defense, and I'm going to give him his buddy Nick Singleton to play with. Uh, he's going to do it in the backfield. We'll see where else this draft goes. Uh, Nick Singleton could also play a role in the slot for me, depending on how my offense shapes up. But I'm going to go with the sophomore uh, backfield tandem of Drew Aller, Nick Singleton, uh, with my 3-4 picks here. And, and Daniel, we're right back to you in round one. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, with Theo Johnson here uh, in, in round two. Uh, I think that he is regarded as one of the you know pound for pound best athletes on the team. Six foot six, 264 pounds, you know, a very imposing uh, presence. We've seen what he can do uh, as a receiver. Uh, I think that he is someone who has the, you know, the, the traits that in this kind of situation, you could do some some very good things with him. Mark, you're back, and you've got a couple picks here. I, I didn't note what I'm going to do with Singleton. Singleton's going to play safety for me, and he's a guy that that I, I think if if he had, you know, if you had said, can he play defense at, at midway through his high school career when you're trying to still evaluate him as an athlete, a lot of people would say, yeah, this guy could be a power five prospect down the road on defense. So we're going to test that theory. He's going to play at the safety position for my team. I am going to go with another guy who can who could play offense and defense right now. Kalen King, I think he could be that good on both sides of the ball. And then, boy, I am struggling with this next one. Because there's, some, <laughs> there's somebody I really, really want. And, oh, boy. We're at the top of round three. Okay. At what point do you have to get into the lineman? That's what I'm thinking about. Yeah, that's the tricky – so I'll lay this out because I've done this before, and I don't, I don't want to give too much away to these two guys because I want to have the better team by far. But <laughs> you've got to find five guys to put their hand in the dirt. I mean, and, and you got – not all defensive linemen just say, yeah, now switch positions and go play on the offensive side. It doesn't always work out that way. But let's remember the offensive lines aren't going up against Michigan's defensive front. They're going up to our against our respective defensive front. So it's really going to be up to the audience out there and our readers to say – who's getting the better end of those trenches, but you're probably not going to end up with, you know, a straight 300 pounds across the board on your offensive line, because then all those guys got to find a, a role on defense too. I'm going with Tyler Warren. And here's why, because I think I could play him at tight end or offensive tackle. If need be, I think he's good enough that he can do that. And I think he can be an effective defensive end on the other side. So I am going with player, flexibility, which is going to leave me having to take only four natural linemen and get me off the hook there. All right. So round three, pick two, Daniel Gallant. We really should have brought a, a, a brought an intern on board for this to give us a live tracker uh, scrolling on the thing because I've got my notebook. I, I'm sure you guys are stretching away. <laughs> round three, Daniel, what do you got for us? 
Oh man, yeah, I've got the I've got the notepad, I've got the the spreadsheet up. Uh, it's a uh, it's a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna continue. Uh, I think I'm gonna continue with my strategy of uh, you know putting some of these you know bigger athletes uh, onto the field. I think that you know going into this, just you know picking the best athletes might have to do some shifting around. You might have to put some guys in, in different positions, but I think that, you know, when the ball is snapped, it's guys that can get things done. Um, so I'm going to go with Abdul Carter uh, mm-hmm. right here. Um, so the idea of putting Abdul Carter and Theo Johnson at, at linebacker uh, on, on your defense, I think that that's pretty imposing um, on the other side of the ball, you know, Abdul, I yeah, might have to move some stuff around, but I think that when you talk about maybe a, a very flexible type of player, you know, that you can do some different things with, uh, I think that that we've you know really learned a lot about him and, you know, put him out there. He's going to get some things done. I want to learn if you end up having to put Abdul Carter at tight end because you need a lineman and Theo Johnson's about 270 pounds and then you lose Theo Johnson's pass skills from your from your offense. So we'll see. There's some dominoes. I'm going to throw another. I'm just going to hit you over the head with the hammer on this one. Uh, I'm taking Catron Allen. I'm going to pair him up with Nick Singleton, let you guys figure out what to do with the rest of the running back room. Uh, and I'm going to put Catron Allen as opposed to Nick Singleton at safety. Catron Allen's going to play linebacker for me. Uh, again, that, that's that, I feel a lot more, uh, a lot better about Catron Allen playing linebacker than Drew Aller playing linebacker. Um, we've seen the aggression. This man is not afraid of contact. He is going to prove over the course of his sophomore campaign that he is among the most physical runners in the nation, I think, by the time it's all said and done with the kind of spotlight on him. Uh, so that's where I am there. And then I think def- uh, I'm going to finally draft a defensive first guy here with the first pick of round four. And he's probably going to be pegged as my tight end because he brings elite level speed at his size and a lot of length. Deny Dennis Sutton. He's going to be an edge rusher for me. Going to play tight end. I'm, I, I haven't seen him run a lot of routes, but we'll work on that on the practice field and get him ready to roll. Um, but I got Deny Dennis Sutton and Katron Allen coming off my back-to-back picks. And we're back to round four for Daniel Gallon. And don't worry, folks, we'll go over our teams at the end of this because I'm having just as much trouble probably keeping track of everybody else's squad right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna turn to the defensive side of the ball um, and, and go for... You know, fill fill one of my skill position spots. Um, I think I'm going to go with Zaki Wheatley uh, to play safety and wide receiver. Um, you know, he played both ways in high school at Archbishop Spalding in Maryland. We've heard a lot about those ball skills uh, and just putting another long, rangy athlete uh, out there on the back end. I think that can really only help things. Okay, Mark, we're so- back to you to finish round four and to start round five. All right. I can't believe this guy is still out there. So I am going to nab him. Uh, Chop Robinson mm. can play him at either, can obviously play him at D end. And I think he could be a really good tight end for you as well. I think he's not the biggest guy, but he's got those kinds of skills. And he can then, burst. I mean, he's got the speed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. We know that. I'm surprised he lasted this long. And it's just I, I went with deny Dennis Sutton because that length that tight end to me. Uh, was no, just, I, I get that, it. That was a separating factor. Yeah, I, I get it. And then I am going to go with <laughs> one of two players. This is this is where it gets tough. But I ha- I have to start filling out this this the, the line. So I am all I'm going to go with Drew Shelton. 
because I think that he's good enough to play left tackle for you. And I think he can be in a, I think he has the physical ability, unlike Caden, not that there's anything wrong with Caden Wallace, but I think Drew Shelton is probably a little quicker than Caden Wallace. So I think you need an offensive lineman, uh, a tackle, a pure tackle. If I'm going to try to stash Tyler Warren as the other tackle, uh, I'm going to go with Drew Shelton. All right. Back to you, Daniel. Round five continues. Uh, I'm going to go with a, a bit of a, a jack-of-all-trades uh, player that I think that, that we haven't seen yet, but we've heard a lot about. Uh, and I think that we think is someone that might be able to make an impact for Penn State uh, this year as a freshman. Um, I'm going to go with Cam Wallace uh, as my running back uh, and someone that we can use on the defensive backfield. Uh, talking to, to Jaywan Sider at uh, Media Days, he said that Cam Wallace is just someone that, you know, is a football player that you saw the tape, you saw what he was doing on both sides of the ball. Um, and I think that in this type of environment where you need a guy who can do both things, there's some thought about Cam Wallace. Is he a defensive back at this level? Is he a running back? Well, he'll get to do both for me. All right. Uh, I got the I got back-to-back picks here, uh, and I'll use my first in the trenches. I'll go Hakeem Beeman. Naturally, he's going to be an interior defensive lineman, so he's next to deny Dennis Sutton. Up front for me, I like that pairing to start off with. A lot of speed uh, and twitch. Penn State's going to have that themselves. Uh, and then uh, uh, what's he going to do on the offensive side? It's going to depend who else I draft, but I feel pretty good about him now that he's added that weight. We've talked a lot about that. If we had 255-pound Akeem Beeman playing guard for me, wouldn't feel so awesome. But now 280-plus pound Akeem Beeman, we can definitely make that work. And then, and then I'll get into the secondary a little bit, start – Start poaching from there because there's some names off the board already, and it's a deep defensive backfield. I'll go with Johnny Dixon, maybe the most versatile component in terms of what Manny Diaz is going to be able to do on, uh, this year in 2023. He has come a long way since transferring from South Carolina. Going to see a bunch of him in that Prowler package. I really love the way he plays down the line of scrimmage, but I think he's going to show off this year just how effective of a perimeter cornerback he can be in those one-on-one matchups. Because when you've got Kalen King on the other side, and we saw what Kalen King did last year with Joey Porter getting all that attention, I think Johnny Dixon's really going to have a chance to step up here, not just within Penn State's defense, but on the 2024 NFL draft board. Glad to get him, and he's the first official wide receiver, I guess, for my offense as well, um, is Dixon. And, Daniel, we're back to you. We're pick two, round six. Let's see where we go. I think, you know, I'm thinking about the trenches a lot too. Uh, I think I'm going to add some beef down there uh, on the interior of the offense and the defensive side. Uh, I'm going to go with Jordan Vandenberg. Uh, He's up over 300 pounds. You know, I think that, you know, you've you've seen him. We've seen what he can do in the weight room. Uh, I think that he's someone that could hold his own uh, if someone's pushing against him. Uh, And, you know, this year, Penn State is really looking to see if he can push on some players. So I'll go with Vandenberg uh, in, in the middle of my uh, the interior of my offensive line. Daniel, I could, I'm going to speak for Mark here and say you've got a good setup. Number two is a spot to be. It's nice to draft two guys back to back, but it is a tough thing to uh, – by the way, I'm buying you some time, Brennan, so use it. It is a <laughs> tough thing to, to find those two names, give the analysis on it, and make sure you're actually addressing your roster. You've got a nice little cushion there, Gallant. All right, Mark, that worked for you a little bit? It did, thanks. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I need to get well, – I'm going to go with uh, Zane Durant, who I think could do good things yeah. for you at tackle, and then I'm going to put him at center too. I think he – you know, you don't have to be the biggest guy at center, so I like Zane. And then what do I need here? Yeah, this is tough. I mean, 
All right, let me. All right, I'm going to finish off my offensive line, defensive line with J.B. Nelson, a, mm. a versatile offensive lineman. And just from what we're hearing, a nasty, tough player uh, can grind it out there. I think he's a guy who can get it done on both sides. And with my – I think that would be an effective defensive line. So I, that's what I'm – or offensive line. I'm sorry. So I'm going to go with uh, J.B. Nelson. I mean, he's, his value in this conversation is definitely up there because of what he's able to do for your offensive line. And Mark, uh, beefed up in the trenches. I got a lot of work to do. I don't know about Daniel, but but I got a lot of ground, a lot of uh, spots to fill so far on the offensive and defensive. You were the one who was open the show by saying, <laughs> by ridiculing me, by going with Bo, saying you don't know how to do an eleven man draft. <laughs> I, I I still feel I also opened the show by drafting Drew Aller, Nick Singleton, and Katron Allen. So I'm still feeling pretty good. We'll see where it lands. Daniel, nice this is this is pick two of round seven. And again, when we get to the finish line, we'll let you know what we actually have on our on our notes here. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on the the interior. Uh, I think Mark brought up with with a Zane Durant pick, uh, someone who can play center. Um, I think is uh, is something that you need because <laughs> you know we've seen games get derailed where the ball can't get snapped, doesn't even get snapped. Um, so I'm going to go with someone who can snap the ball. We've heard he's working at center and could also add a lot, uh, I think, to my interior, my defensive line. Uh, I'm going to go with Vanga Ioane, uh there in the middle. Yeah, that was going to be my, my next pick. That was I was yeah. definitely going to take Vanga Ioane because, yeah, I think he would be a pretty nasty defensive tackle as well. But I'll tell you what, I mean, what we've heard about Hunter Norzad uh, up front and, and a guy who's just, everyone will tell you he's a mauler. Uh, you know, the intelligence is easy to focus on when you talk about him taking the center and having the Ivy League degree in his history. But let's not forget what he's been able to accomplish in the weight room and how respected he is as a guy who just gets after it. So I'm going to lean on him at the center of my offensive line. Uh, and at the same time, uh, he's going to play uh, alongside Akeem Beeman on the defensive front. And I don't feel bad about that at all. I think he's going to be able to get that done for me. Uh, and, and then, man, this this is where I'm going to start at the wall. I'm going to go with a true, another true guy that could be a top of the line weapon for this team. I got Katron Allen. I've got Nick Singleton. I've got the quarterback to give them the ball and Drew Aller. Give me who I think is going to be the top pass target, and Keandre Lambert-Smith, and he's going to play cornerback for me. Uh, had one of the most impressive agility uh, – agility. Uh, I'm sorry, one of the most impressive uh, shuttle times of anybody in the recruiting class that came in back in 2020. His agility is fantastic. Uh, and when you just look at what I think he'd be able to do in marrying wide receivers, this is exactly what he'll be able to do. He can play in the slot on defense. He can play in the slot on offense if we need him there. Uh, but I know he can also play outside on offense because I'm probably going to be using Nick Singleton in the slot so a uh, keandre lambert smith a uh, hunter norzad uh, and i continue to lean offensive heavy uh, thus far on my roster yeah i'm gonna go with a true pass catcher um you know i i like zaki wheatley you know we saw some good interceptions from him we, you know we've heard some things but you need someone that you know can catch the ball um someone that is you know very athletic uh, i think would be able to play both ways you know, could stick with some guys on the other end. I'm going to go with Trey Wallace uh, as as one of my wide receivers and cornerbacks. Trey Wallace, good pick there. A lot of athleticism. Mark, this is the finish of round eight and the start of round nine. Godspeed. It's, I know you've got to start looking toward the perimeter based on your earlier draft picks. Well, I also need a running back and linebacker. Uh, so I am going to go. It's between two guys and – Boy, one is really intriguing, 
but I'm going to go with Curtis Jacobs, the big dog. I think if you look back at what he did in high school offensively, a lot of it was catching passes, but I think he's got an offensive mentality if you need it. He's used to having the football in his hands, not recently, uh, but throughout his career. And then I am going to go with a young burner in Mr. Elliot Washington. Cornerback. Okay. Uh, and, and a lot of speed there with Washington. Uh, Daniel, it's getting down to the nitty gritty here, man. Uh, it, you're starting to get to the point. I know I am where I'm like, someone's got to play this position. Uh, it's not going to be pretty, but someone's got to play, and they better be really good on the other side of the football. I don't know if you're at that point too, but but it's time to make another pick. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to round out the trenches. Uh, I, I think when you talk about you know winning football, I think that if you have solid lines on, on either side, I think that can make up for a lot of deficiencies uh, elsewhere. Um, and I, I think I'm going to add Caden Wallace uh, to my to my offensive line, defensive line. You know, he's bigger than he's probably ever been. You know, he said he's having one of his better, uh, you know, better fall camps. And we know that what his potential is, what the traits are uh, and what he could be capable of. So, you know, I feel good putting him up front for me. Man, this is this is getting tricky. Um, what's the, how much is denied Dennis Sutton way? Cause I'm going to have to play him at tackle. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's getting to that point where man, maybe my idea of him playing tight end is, is going to be short lived. Um, uh, is, is, is Tony Rojas off the board? Do we have no. that confirmed? No, that's who I was thinking about when I picked, uh, when I picked the big dog, cause Ro- Rojas obviously was a terrific running back in high school as well. Yeah, it's it's just it's tricky with that because I'm not sure where he'd play. He's not going to play offensive line for me, um, and, and I don't really love the fit elsewhere here. Um, I, I think I think I'm going to have to probably go back to the uh, to the to the line, um, and for this one, I'm going to go with Javen Williams because I, I need a real tackle prospect here. And I'm going with the prospect here. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about the game ready uh, aspect of, of getting Javen Williams, but the other options are, are off the table and Drew Shelton and, and Caden Wallace, uh, JB Nelson was an option. And of course, Olu fashion was off the board very early here. So I'm thinking who can play tackle. I, I, I like Javen Williams out of what we got left there. He's also going to have to play defensive line for me. Um, and then, man, I, I don't know how this is going to work. He might have to be a pulling guard or something, uh, and, and I hate to use it this way, but he was called a big ball of muscle by James Franklin. So, Kobe King, now pack that fish on, keep eating the salmon, because we got to find a way to get you to be 260 pounds of, 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 a, of a pulling guard. Right now, I think he's at 245, 250, so this is going to be a stretch. But because of what I got, I'm going to pluck Kobe King uh, at, at the uh, at linebacker for me, so that's going to help offset a little bit of Drew Aller playing linebacker for me. And then Kobe King, step on up. I think you're playing offensive line. I'll, I'll let you know in a bit. I, I got to take a longer look. And then I think I've – do I have the last pick here? Is this the last pick of, of – yes, it is. Uh, I am going to go with Kaziah Izzard. Um, I think I think he is definitely going to provide uh, the, the meat up front, what, what Kobe King doesn't have in size, Kaziah Izzard has. If you've seen him this year in our photo galleries – he is a legit big defensive tackle at this point. He's played a bunch of Big Ten football, and this is probably going to force me to move uh, a deny Dennis Sutton 
who has that standing speed at his side, but it will be challenged. I'm probably going to have to move him uh, back within my defense, and, and, and we'll see how this all shapes up. I'm feeling quite nervous now that I have 11 picks in, but that's who I got off the board, Kaziah Izzard uh, with my 11th round pick. So who was your who was your pick before Kobe? That was those were my two picks. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I I, I, I still have two open slots on my roster. Yeah, I th- we got we got mixed up here somewhere. <laughs> oh, okay. So hold <laughs> who on. did you have we, before Kobe? Before before oh Javen Williams. I'm sorry. I did take a, I did take a player. I just added a player at the end, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bailey, so, you're, you're breaking the rules. No, no, no. I, I think I think I figured it out. I took that. I take two. I took uh, two players when I should have taken. I took three players when I should have taken two, and I have two picks left. Is that how it works? You're done. You have, you have, you have one pick left. I have so, one pick left. I, yes, I have that, that's correct. Players. Uh, you have me at eleven players. Yeah, Aller, Singleton, Katron, Deny, Beeman, Dixon. Uh, Keandre, Norzad, Javen Williams, Kobe King, and Izzard. Okay, then I'm. I th- the problem was I wasn't supposed to pick Izzard. I'll take. I'll take. I'll take him, and, and we can already call it my pick. But if someone else wanted him, uh, I, I'm happy to 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 because uh, I. No, him. no. <laughs> if you want to cheat, you could go ahead and take him. I, I mean, I didn't get the first pick, so I figured I'd take three consecutive picks with my last opportunity. <laughs> That's okay. Um, yeah. Sorry or could we that. trade? We almost. I'll give three, you guys. that if you give me. I'm just kidding. Don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel, I, I'm sorry. Why don't you pick twice and Mark can pick twice? Okay. And that's and then we'll finish it that way. All right. What, what, that's no Daniel should pick. I'll do one. Mark then will do I two. I'll do one. Then I okay. should pick. Then Daniel should pick. You're and I'll watch it. I'll watch it all happen. I'll He's get the, the I'll podcast. get the crown. Mr. Just change the rules to, to suit him. <laughs> oh man. So I think I think I'm running into a, a similar situation uh, as some of you. I, I I think I might have to bump Theo Johnson uh, down to the offensive line to get a little bit more speed uh, on my team. Um, you know, I think that I'm looking for someone that can really add some speed, some explosiveness, do things on both sides of the ball. Someone that we know in the past has been a great all-around player. Uh, based on what he did in high school and a little bit of the special team stuff he's done at Penn State, uh, so I'm going to add Daquan Hardy uh, to my to my roster right here. All right, so I should I should get two here, and I'm going to go with somebody who I need one more lineman. I just realized that, so I'm going to go with Devon Elise because I think he can easily play both ways. And then somehow, let me see, J.B. Nelson, Zane. All right, so I could I could actually put Zane Durant at defensive tackle. Boy, <laughs> this is so hard. Wow, this this is fun though. I think I need one more DB, somebody who's versatile enough that they could all also play linebacker if I need it. And I am going to go with local sensation Keaton Ellis. Mm-hmm. Hold on a second. Daniel has – I think I know Daniel has to pick someone here. I, I could – oh, you don't have to. Have you I, picked quarterback? Well, I have not picked my quarterback yet. Are you going Wildcat? Yes. So oh. we can, can think a little bit outside the box. Uh, I should have picked – I should have taken his man. Yeah, so I'm going to go with, with Omari Evans uh, as, That's my, a good one. as my quarterback here. Um, I think we're going to have – a lot of speed, uh, and I think we've got a, a pretty good offensive line, a pretty beefy offensive line 
uh, in front of us. And uh, I think that you know, we can we can make some things happen there. I think it'll be a little undersized at the skill spots. Um, but I'm going to go with Omari Evans as my quarterback. Um, you know, he played more of a, a run first system down in Texas, but someone that knows the position, obviously intelligent with being able to switch positions, get on the field as a freshman. Um, and, you know, I, I appreciated Mark going for Beulah early because I knew that Tyler would take Aller and then I could just <laughs> leave quarterback till my very last pick. Uh, and it, it worked out all along. So you you were content to stay away from quarterbacks in this draft? Well, if I I mean, Prabula was a very good, very good yeah. first pick. Um, and I did I did have Tyler Warren ahead of Omari Evans on the uh, on the board for for quarterbacks. But uh, yeah, my other my other strategy as I was you know going to sleep last night was if I did have the turn was to go Aller and Prabula back to back. Uh, and and squeeze you guys, but I think that that the board unfolded uh, uh, pretty nicely. All right, well, a lot to sort through here. We've each got eleven guys at the end of all that, and and my problem that I screwed myself up on, I wrote down because I is our name twice. Not only did I draft him <laughs> as an extra guy, I wrote him down as uh, twice as an offensive lineman because I was like, oh, I got twelve guys here, so that's where I had my myself all, all off sorts. Um, I've got my my offense written down here. I'll give you guys some chance to collect your thoughts, and then maybe I can get back with my defense because that's currently a little more tricky. But I've got Drew Aller at quarterback. I've got Catron Allen at running back, and I'm going to kind of call Nick Singleton a utility man here as a slot running back. He'll be on the field for me, obviously, every play, but you'll see two running back sets. You'll see him line up in the slot trying to get him in space one-on-one matchups and let him go 85 yards on a single play. Uh, my tight end is denied Dennis Sutton. I mentioned the length and the speed that's going to get him picked very high in the NFL. Those traits will work well for us. we got to get him on the jugs machine. Wide receiver, uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith, Johnny Dixon, and then my offensive line, I've got Hunter Norzad at center. Uh, I've got Akeem Beeman and uh, and Javen Williams as my tackles, and I've got uh, Koziah Izzard. And Kobe King as my guards. And again, Kobe King, the, that, what did he call it? A, a, a ball of muscle, as James Franklin said, going to be playing that guard spot. So love my skill positions. We'll see how the offensive line holds up. Um, you guys have a chance to, to tabulate some of your results here. I think for my, I've got my offense written down right now. Um, on the offensive line, if you're going, uh, you've got Olu Fashionu and Theo Johnson as your tackles. Uh, Caden Wallace, Jordan Vandenberg uh, inside as your guards, Vanga Yuane at center, uh, Omari Evans and Cam Wallace in the backfield at quarterback and running back. Uh, both number sixes. I didn't realize that, that I did that with Trey Wallace, Zaki Wheatley out wide, Daquan Hardy as my slot receiver, uh, and then Abdul Carter as a tight end flex, you know, maybe fullback, maybe running back. We'll, we'll get the ball in his hands and, and see what happens. Wow, this was uh, this was really fun, and now I'm looking at it. I'm I'm I I'm, I like my team, so I got Bo at quarterback, obviously number one pick, first overall. My O line tackles Tyler Warren, Drew Shelton, guards J.B. Nelson, Devon Ellis, and center Zane Durant. I think that's representative. My tight end is Chop Robinson, which I'll take, and then my receivers are Kalen King, Elliot Washington, and Keaton Ellis. Guys who are all very good with the ball in their hands uh, were at, at, at the high school level and I think could be at this level. So that's my offense, and I'm sticking with it. 
I thought I have a choice at this point. <laughs> and uh, I, I got my defense together. Uh, across the front, you have Olu Fashionu, Jordan Vandenberg, Vega Ioane, Caden Wallace. Uh, I think that's a, a lot of beef uh, in there. At the second level, Abdul <laughs> wow. Carter, Theo Johnson, uh, and then at corner slash defensive back. You know, we'll, have to, we'll have to see where, where everyone's skill set really works, but you'll have Trey Wallace and Zaki Wheatley, a former cornerback. Uh, Daquan Hardy in the slot. And then I think if you go with Cam Wallace and Omari Evans back in safety, you've got some speed uh, and, and some ball skills back there. Uh, it's a jumbled mess on defense, but we're going to make it work. Uh, I, I, I realized that, you know, we're going to make it work. It's, you know, we're going to have deficiencies too, but here's what I've got. I, I've got a linebacker core uh, of Drew Aller, uh, Kobe King and deny Dennis Sutton. who's going to have to drop back for me uh, and, and play some linebacker. I have confidence in him. I don't love that, that I've got to rely on, on him and Drew Aller at linebacker. I love my middle linebacker situation with Kobe King. Uh, and then up front, I've got Koziah Izzard. Uh, I've got Hunter Norzad. I've got Javen Williams um, and who, and Akeem Beeman. Uh, so we got to figure out, I think Beeman's probably going to play on the end for me. He, you know, he's, he's shown off that versatility uh, during the course of his career. We, we wondered if he was going to be defensive end long term through different points of his career. So he'll be playing on the end. And then I've got to figure out whether Kazai Izzard or, or Javen Williams is a better fit for the end. And, and, and the other guy will be playing on the interior with Hunter, with Hunter Norzad. Um, and then defensive back, uh, Johnny Dixon. Um, I got Katron Allen. I got Keandre Lambert Smith and Singleton. I'm probably putting Katron Allen and Nick Singleton next to each other at the safety spot. Let them run, uh, let them roam the field that way, just like they do on the offensive side of the field. And then Keandre Lambert Smith and Johnny Dixon, uh, opposite of each other at cornerback. And uh, fingers crossed that this whole plan works. But we'll put these together. I know you got your, your, the rest of your teams to go through a little bit here, but we'll put these together in text form up on lines247.com um, on Wednesday and put a poll up for everyone to vote on who they. I think would win daniel what else do you got for us yeah I, I think just with this exercise i'm looking through the the guys that weren't picked exactly uh, and, and you could put together a, a pretty impressive skill group there um you know christian driver is someone who's already played both ways uh khalil dinkins uh, is someone who i had pretty high on my board didn't have a home uh and then uh kj winston uh was someone as well who i had pretty high up but the the fit wasn't wasn't quite there so i thought this is a it's a fun exercise uh i think that um you know you can learn a little bit about your your co-workers and their team building philosophies uh and approaching this but i think it's a, a good indication of of what penn state has uh on its roster um you know some of the the athleticism skill talent um and and just the size too i think that that was something as i was going through here um, you know, the fact that those defensive linemen, those defensive ends have bulked up uh, a little bit. I think that when you're, you know, for this exercise, trying to, you know, move some pieces around and think about both lines, um, it makes it uh, a little bit easier when, you know, there's not a 256 pounds uh, defensive tackle or, or something along those lines. Tony Rojas was the name. I brought him up during the draft. And I, yep. was, you know, because of his history, let's not forget, he was the Washington Post all met offensive player of the year as a senior uh, because of what he did at running back. I think he was right around 2,000 rushing yards, 30 plus touchdowns on the season. And obviously, he's making a major impact at linebacker now. He was the one that, that I thought, wow, he, he, went, he went on drafted here. You, you kind of, hindsight 2020, do you find a way to get him on your roster? There's a few guys like that. King Mack and Zion Tracy have a bunch of speed and, and versatility. And, and, and so in that freshman class alone, you can start to, to, to take a closer look at it. I, I don't know if any freshman got picked aside from Javon Williams, 
trying to 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 wreck or no cam wallace cam wallace Wallace. elliot Uh, washington elliot washington there it is it'll be a lot easier when we all have these written down in front of each other but those three freshmen come off the board bo prabula is the number one overall pick just like everyone thought and and it was a lot of fun uh let me breeze through my defense tyler i didn't get a chance yeah sorry i didn't skip skip through that that. all right we're 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 processing a lot here so you you (laughs) gave me time to actually figure out who's going to be where thank you so i got drew shelton and zane durant at end J.B. Nelson and Devon Ellis at tackle. Chop and Tyler Warren at outside linebacker. No, I'll put Chop in the uh, – yeah, Chop at outside linebacker. The big dog at middle linebacker. Uh, Kalen King, Elliot Washington, Keaton Ellison, Bo Pribula in the secondary. So I also suggested – I don't know if you guys want to do it – that we pick our coaches for these teams. That's right. Oh, uh, yeah. I, 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 can, I can do that. I didn't – I was – I kind of forgot about it, but I think I can still do it. You have the first pick, so – I do. Uh, yeah, and you so, know who I'm going. I'm going hold with on, the hold guy. On. It's, it's strictly non-James Franklin's, right? <laughs> so everyone yeah, is yeah, available. Of I'm just making sure everyone's available on the coaching staff aside from James Franklin. Gotcha. Lions 247 staff, this is James Franklin by not <laughs> drafting him. <laughs> That's, no, he is not available. Gotcha. Uh, this is more about having fun and letting people know about some of the other coaches. I'm going somebody with somebody who's a star wide receiver at Penn State, somebody who is an outstanding cornerbacks coach at Penn State now, was a longtime successful high school coach as a head coach at Gateway and administrator and all those things. I'm going with Terry Smith because I think he, he'd he be the perfect guy to work this one platoon football type stuff. He knows how to approach things from both sides of the ball. I appreciate that answer. Daniel, do you have one for us? Yeah, this is a, this is a tough one. I, I think that there's some some good options and there is some some former head coaching uh, experience on James Franklin's staff um, but I'm gonna go with uh, some an offensive mind uh, especially given that I've got a little bit of an or- unorthodox uh, setup here with with my quarterback situation uh, I'm gonna go with Jaywan Sider um, mm-hmm. you know he's done a great job coaching up those running backs um, you know mm-hmm. I, I think that you know he's added those titles. Uh, to his his name, co-offensive coordinator, assistant head coach. This is a guy who I think knows how to organize things. Is probably going to be a head coach at some point soon in his career. Um, so I'm going to go with Jaywan to to lead my team. You're going to need him to work on Cam Wallace, who's your primary <laughs> running back, and, and as a former NFL draft pick at the quarterback position, he can he can work to refine Omari Evans as a passer as well. So I like that pick. And Jaywan Sider, I say it all the time. Six years here now in Happy Valley. Not a lot of people thought that was going to happen. And, and whatever comes next for his career, when he decides to leave this campus and if he decides to leave this campus, it may very well be that head coaching opportunity. And and, and I think that's going to be the case, certainly for my pick, Manny Diaz, who I think many of us were surprised that he's not a head coach right now. Instead, year two defensive coordinator, linebackers coach with the Nittany Lions, still just 49 years old. Um, I'm not sure wh- how we're going to view that time at Miami long term. We'll see if that the Hurricanes program can get on track. But it just seems like coaching staff after coaching staff has run into the same issues of not winning games there. So Manny Diaz, when he does resurface and get a shot at being a head coach, really going to be curious to see what it looks like because he had a lot set up for him down there. But there was also a lot of pressures. His dad's the former mayor of Miami, uh, you know, coming home uh, to you know, and and and, and so. 
didn't work out there. Could have worked out somewhere else. We'll see as a coach on my team. He's got his work cut out for him on defense. I already kind of said what, what that scrambled spot was. Listening to Mark's defense sounded like a lot more natural fits in some of those spots than what I was describing. So going to need that Manny Diaz expertise to shine through with, with, with those, those 11 guys and get my guys in gear to, to handle your teams. Uh, but, yeah, fun part of that to, to throw those uh, names in. And Anthony Poindexter was another guy that, that, you know, very well could have been a head coach already if Virginia had gone in that direction. They did not. There's been some regret about it down at, on that campus. But it says a lot about this, uh, not just the roster depth, but the, the, the coaching staff depth that James Franklin has accrued here in Happy Valley because you can work your way down this list. Guys, uh, good stuff. We'll, we'll put it uh, down and, and, and make it a little more presentable for our readers over at lines247.com. Hopefully it wasn't too crazy to follow along with. It was a bit of a scramble to, to track in live time, but we got to the end of it, um, and, and we'll put it to a poll, and, and we'll put it to the vote to see who takes it. Had fun. See you guys in the practice field Wednesday, and uh, I hope you guys are, are kind of – getting rid of that dizzying effect that I got from the 11 man draft. <laughs> it, was a, it was a good way to, to reintroduce myself to the roster uh, yet again. That's yeah. right. Next many- year, maybe we could get Calvaruso involved with this next year, make it four teams. Cause I, I'll tell you what, we probably could have done we that. Been, it, 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 that might, that might be a little bit too much. Good thing. We have a full year to, 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 to worry <laughs> yeah. about that. Uh, let's see how this goes with the voting and whatnot. Yeah, we might need a dress rehearsal if we go with four people. But uh, appreciate everyone for following along. A lot of fun. I don't know how many different ways we can take a look at this same roster uh, until the season gets here, but we're trying on the podcast. And, and just a matter of time, they'll be out there playing the West Virginia football team. We'll have a whole different set of analysis coming your way. Mark, Daniel, we're back at it uh, at Penn State Practice Facilities Wednesday. Uh, in the meantime, be well. Yep. Thanks, Tyler. Yeah, thanks, Tyler. All right, good stuff from those two. Good stuff before them from Tyler Calvaruso, our resident recruiting expert at Lions247.com. You can follow all of our coverage every single day over at Lions247. 30% gets you in for a full year of annual subscription or $1 for one month and take a test drive into this early stage of the season. Uh, See what we do when it comes to recruiting coverage. A lot coming your way here in the month of September as we close out August. More intel out of fall camp at lines247.com in the days ahead as well. What are we hearing? How is this depth chart shaping up as West Virginia approaches its trip up to Happy Valley? A lot of fun stuff ahead here on the podcast and over at lines247.com. On behalf of all of us, I'm Tyler Donahue, stepping aside for now. We'll catch you next time right here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Greetings, Fantasy Warriors. I'm Heath Cummings, your guide to fantasy dominance on FFT Dynasty. Join me this offseason where mock drafts become epic showdowns and every pick shapes your legacy. If, if I was Adam with the team that he's built, Will Levis makes so much more sense. And that's not all. We're peeling back the curtain on the future with our exclusive 2024 NFL Draft Prospect Profiles. Uncover hidden gems that'll elevate your roster to legendary status. Puka Nakua. After Cooper Cup, we really have no idea who's going to get the targets. Keaton Mitchell of East Carolina. Explosive speed is ridiculous. This isn't just a podcast. It's a playbook for champions. Subscribe to FFT Dynasty now, and together, we'll conquer the fantasy football frontier. Your dynasty journey starts here.